Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. It's February 21st, President's Day. Many of you are taking the day off. Got some emails in from some of you. We'll be listening all the way through the program. We won't get distracted today. One person wrote this, I'm on the golf course. Assume he's in Florida or Texas. 82 degrees here today. Man, it's gorgeous. So anyway, it's 29 degrees last week, so we're ready for some warm weather. Hope it's great wherever you're at and out. you're out doing some good, having some fun. So I, uh, again, I flew out to Sarasota, Florida, working with a client over the weekend. And, uh, man, it was cold leaving, but it was really pleasant coming back. It's uh, Florida's nice, nice, nice stuff. Les is there. It's going to be a good introduction to Les, a segue. But before we go there, let's just say again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And today, we have one of our favorite Floridians on the, on the podcast in the Hot Topics segment, Mr. Les Parker, founder of TM Spotlight Newsletter, managing director and partner in Transformational Mortgage Solutions, my consulting firm. We're going to be talking about mortgage rates. And remember what Alice said, everyone? She writes down everything Les says because it seems to come to pass. Although she says with this crazy year, I may start writing in a pencil. That was hilarious. But anyway, so good to have you all here with us. Les is going to be on in the Hot Topics segment. I want to say thank you to the Industry Syndicate. We're grateful to be a part of that organization. They do a good job of promoting our podcast as well as many others out there. Check out industrysyndicate.com. Also, a special thank you goes out to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. What an outstanding organization and how they serve our industry. I'm so grateful to them. And one of the ways they will be out supporting us and allows us to help support them is, guess what? The Mortgage Action Alliance app. MAW, M-A-A, Mortgage Action Alliance app. I encourage you to get signed up for that. Such an important thing. You can get signed up on your mobile device and um, have your word heard on the Hill. Very effective. Also, Finastra. So thrilled to have them, such as a longstanding advertised part of the podcast. Going to be speaking next week, next uh, Tuesday, down at the ICBA Regional Conference in San Antonio. I'll be our leading a panel there. But they do such a good job. They have a great reach into the banking community, and more and more independent mortgage bankers are discovering the value of the many functions that they do extraordinarily well. Again, one of the things that I love most about them is their open architecture. And um, on the 4th of October, we had Karen Jenkins in, who heads up product development there, and um, talked about it. And we've got Chris. Uh, Zingo coming on, who is the uh, president of the Americas. It's not just president of America, the Americas. And folks, happy I'm on. Had a chance to meet him here in Austin at their big user event um, at the forum. Great opportunity to talk to them. Also, we got to talk about our two co-ops. We are partners with both of them. We're grateful to have them. Our uh, Lenders One conference. Uh, first of all, Lenders One and Mortgage and Mortgage Collaborative, both of these are co-ops. They do a great job of bringing competitors together, lenders and vendors. We all get together in a more, smaller, more intimate setting, and we're able to talk about in more detail the specifics of their programs. So we have, we're in a conference season, entering in. March is a big one. So the Lenders One Winter Conference is March 6th through the 8th in Phoenix at the JW Marriott. encourage you to check that out. Also, the Mortgage Collaborative is having their winter conference. It's called the Days of Miami Nights Conference, and it is March 19th through the 22nd. I'll be at both of those conferences. Looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, if you're, I hope you'll come. It's the, both of these are going to be well attended. I encourage you to check them out and uh, forward to seeing you there. Also, Total Experts, so excited to have them as a new sponsor. They do a great job of bringing you and can, allowing you to work and connect with your customers. Folks, I'm I, I was on with their management team and, and talking to them last week, and I'm so impressed with the methodical approach they to have to their business. So when you look at a as a partner, a technology partner, in this case, total expert, 
is you, you have to look at the organization and you have to look at how they run their business. I got to tell you, you got to get to know them. If you don't know them, many of you already do. They're leaders in the marketplace, but be sure to check out Total Expert. Really good. Um, they do an outstanding job. We're going to talk more about the specifics, about what they do. We've got them coming up as a guest here soon. Also, Knowledge Coop. Ken Perry does a great job at the uh, Coop, as we call it, the Mortgage Coop. Uh, they have an April 1st, they're releasing a new version. If you want to take a look at it, put in, uh, in your Google, do a Google search and try, it's called try, T-R-Y, the coop, C-O-O-P.com. And you'll get on the list to see all the new features that are coming out and you'll be updated on it. You need, you need to check that out. This what they do is just so, it's edutainment. Alice taught me that word a long, long time ago. A couple decades ago, maybe, I don't know, but it's like that, but it's a, a, that's what they do so well. Also, Mobility, MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, along with Modex, do both a great job of helping you recruit. And I'd love to talk to you, get on a phone call with you about these two companies and how you're using them, folks. Because what you can do, and I, I'm just finding all these new ways to help recruit, also support loan officers um, that you have already there with you. It brings you market intelligence. That's why I like mortgage market intelligence. Mobility does that. And mortgage and Modex does basically the same thing. You see all the activity going on in the markets you want to be in and you're doing it. And I'm talking about realtors and lenders and specifically mortgage loan originators. Great tool. Check it out. Also, SnapDogs does a great job of working backwards from the future, back, working backwards from a future where I love that statement. I, back to the future. But anyway, uh, they help everywhere in the closing business. It makes it a flawless experience. You need to check out that firm. Their aim is to completely eradicate errors from the real estate transaction. That is a good goal. We do have a few there. So check out SnapDocs and to bring your error rate show or error um, factor, your number of errors down to zero. Anyway, zero defects. Uh, also, Lender Toolkit, Brent Emler, they do a great job. Going to be out at the uh, LMA or the um, Mortgage Ice User Conference. They're going to be there, going to be doing some things with the Lender Toolkit. They have their uh, uh, event that they have out, and we're going to be out racing some Ferraris around the track and uh, getting together. Really excited about that. That's coming up here same time as the Mortgage Ice Conference. Also, Penny Mac. I was just talking to Kim Nichols there. It's called Penny Mac TPO. They do a great job of getting the market, some of the pricing. They're a market leader. When you look at something, a company like Penny Mac, they have been a leader in the correspondence space. Now they're becoming a leader in the TPO space. They have already got some great traction, but check out our podcast we did with um, Kimberly on November 1st last year. All the information is still relevant. Very exciting. We're going to be having her on again soon. Also, DW Consulting, Debbie, Debbie Wymus does a great job of uh, working on helping you have your story told well uh, on your promoting yourself on LinkedIn. Check out their video that they put up on our website in the advertiser sponsor page. Also, special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack. They're all here. We're excited to get going on this podcast. Um, the Mortgage Minute, which is sponsored by the NBA by, with Rob Van Rappors. It's a day off, so we didn't get a recording from Rob, but we do have a recording for our, from our special guest. And I'm particularly fond of the music selection, but listen to the words. I love this music parody. Les, what you got for us? PM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. It's Putin's army now, a blowing rebel. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy, a bull moose to be. Near-term, market maker shoes, Russia's war noise, to boogie with a jerk. The Ukrainian situation continues to offer volatility because energy matters. Stocks jeer at shelling and cheer with peace gestures, while bonds do the opposite. Oil acts like it expects a negotiated settlement. Regardless, long-term inflation remains the hot tin roof. A substantial component of the CPI moonwalk is from COVID-sensitive items. The growth and inflation riddle makes the Fed do the floss. Meanwhile, mortgage rates twist. These views are my own. Know the markets dance at tmspotlight.com. An oil markets jump with Putin's reveling. He's the boogie-woogie bugle boy of bull moose to be. Yes, 
bull moves ahead. That's actually could be pretty good. We don't have Matt. He's taking the day off. So I just got to give a plug to mbslive.net. Matt Graham is normally here chatting with us and doing a good job. We miss Matt. I hope he's having a great President's Day break. But Jack, looking at what we have coming up, and maybe we should almost just save all our time, Jack, to be talking about interest rates with, when we have less on. How about that? Well, we tell everybody, just get ready for the uh, hot topic segment because we're going to dive into it deep and wide. Let's get over to Alice Alvey with this week's update on the legislative update. With this week's legislative update. Alice, good to have you here. CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage, where they are just blowing and going, doing so well. Hearing about that a little bit ago with Alice on the pre-call, but Alice, good to have you here. Thanks, Dave. Hi, everybody, and uh, happy President's Day if you're lucky to get it off. Uh, just two quick things I wanted to give you an update on. Uh, you know, every year the um, Federal Housing Finance Agency uh, looks at you know Humda annual requests for comment on the estimated burden that they believe the Humda reporting is. So uh, let me rephrase that. Every year. They have to circle back and take and ask all of us, do they have mm-hmm. their estimates right for how they consider HUMDA reporting and in their calculations on what burden it is on the, on the lenders? And um, as I was looking at this, I, I thought, well, you know, there's not a lot of news today, but maybe if you all were, wanted to jump in and comment on, does it really only take 120 hours to complete a HUMDA report for the average company? And I'm pretty sure that's a no. Uh, you know, maybe those smaller lenders that only have a few uh, files to report on, you know, but they're bringing our averages way down. So if anybody wants to jump out there and comment and go, what are you guys nuts? This thing takes way more time than that. Um, you have until April 8th to do so. Another uh, item that was interesting is the USDA, the Rural Housing Service, did publish the final rule. Uh, this was just on the 7th, and this is based on the proposed rule that had been put out there all the way back in November of 2019. And during the comment period, I found this shocking. There were only 28 comments that they received. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, there weren't huge items on the table, but it was interesting to see how few people actually commented. Um, But at the end of the day, so their direct single-family housing loan program, the 502 and the 504 programs, a couple of good changes that are going to be effective on March 9th. So take a look at that if you like USDA. Uh, one thing is in the very low income bucket. They are going to increase the payment ratio so it mm-hmm. matches the uh, the other products. It'll be 33.41 across the board. Uh, you'll be able to put in a pool. I know that was a big item, but you know it was always kind of this quirky thing with uh, one of the USDA products. They had fixed the other one where the pool didn't disqualify the home, but now they've fixed the other one. So those those will be stable. And also up in the LTV to be able to uh, roll in some additional rehab. Uh, to You can go 5% over market value. Several servicing changes. So those of you involved in the servicing side, check it out. Um, but it is published in the Federal Register if you want the details out that are um, available now. So that's my quick report for today, Dave, because we want to save right. lots of time for less. Someone texted in while you're talking. You're talking about for those getting up. And, oh, someone texted me just says, what? We could take the day off? And I go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they said, is and Al you know, I, the the, yeah. <laughs> I said the wrong entity. I said FIFA up front. It's the Federal uh, yeah. Examinations Council, the FFIEC, not FIFA, that oversees yeah. HUMDA. So one quick correction there at the beginning. Of one the well, before we go, before we fully publish it. That's good. Perfect. Excellent. Caught it. Great job. Alice, thank you so much for being here. Are you taking, is uh, Union Home working today? We are closed today, so I am going out to enjoy our 52-degree sunshine today. <laughs> yeah, heat wave in a while. Wow. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy it. Say hi to Andy, your husband. Great job. Appreciate you I being will, here. I will, but Thanks. I'm hanging out for less. we got to make sure you yeah. know, I hear about rates and take notes. <laughs> like Jack said earlier, he says, Alice is the only one that takes really detailed notes. We need her here. That was so funny. Anyway, Alice, so good to have you. Thank you for your report. Let's get over to Alan Pollock is here with the weekly tech update so i'm traveling to sarasota florida and i'm traveling through atlanta from austin to atlanta and our airplane is full of all these little cheerleaders i mean lined up at the gate fly southwest if you live in our area southwest is just my one of my favorite airplanes airlines and so 
I mean, all these girls are everywhere. And then I get into Atlanta, and there are every gates full. So I text Alan and say, Alan, your daughters are in competitive cheer. Is there something going on here in Atlanta? He says, yep. Second biggest event of the year is here, and I'm driving there. So are you still up in Atlanta, friend? Late last night, but it is um, the second biggest of the year. Uh, and there's a total of about 55,000 people, and they were at full capacity this year. Uh, and it was uh, – it's so funny. There's these little signs that say, like, there's a big bar at the Atlantic Convention Center in the middle, and the yeah. sign says practice social distancing. But as you look at the sign, you see an escalator with hundreds of people coming up, and you see a, a walkway with hundreds of people going the other way. And you're like, yeah, yeah this is like a perfect one of those funny pictures. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it was a giant event, full capacity, and uh, I was there, and uh, I'm sure the airports were, were packed, and I'm oh. sure there's, we have listeners that were probably there as well, yeah. more than uh, likely. We, most likely. Most likely 55,000 there, probably a few listeners were in there, in addition to yourself. Anyway, what you got for a tech update today? David, this one, I have two questions for you. At the beginning of the, my segment, again, the first one is I read an article at Inc.com. And they, this is a scientific, you know, investigation slash survey slash um, findings that they came up with. And they said, what is the exact amount of coffee that you should have each day? And so, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of debate about this. And they, they basically said, you know, um, for maximum health and brain benefits, and do you, do you have the drum, drum roll sound effect, David, that you can play? Yeah, I, I can do that. I have that on the board. I can do that. But I, I don't know. I hit the wrong button. I did that. Anyway, what um, is it? Anyways, it, it is three cups per day. Uh, the article has a bunch of different information, but they, they also, the, the spotlight of it is there were 676 elderly men, and the coffee drinkers that had three cups a day had less than half of the cognitive decline. Cognitive decline is everybody else. So three cups of coffee is a magic number. That's, a, um, that's a funny one because I was... Yeah, we launched a new uh, had a new client here a week or two ago, and on the call, I mean, I'm pretty jacked up. I'm excited about what I'm wearing. I'm working with a client. I've got high energy. I fast talk. I talk fast quickly. And anyway, so <laughs> participants of the call. This is the first call with them. They go, uh, Dave, can we ask you a question? How much coffee have you had today? And I go, Oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh, do you have that coffee? For your energy? benefit, Dave. The, the the article does not mention how big the coffee needs to be. It just says three cups yeah. a day. So yeah. I have maybe three we cups just we start giving out coffee. Mug. Yeah, I got one mug. Imagine what we could. Yeah, imagine what we could do in the digital mortgage and technology side if everybody had three cups of coffee a day. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so good. So I yeah I could go on and on about that. I'm gonna say now I got to figure out how you're tying this into technology, but you know. Other than you oh, got a new Keurig and, and well, then you're, you're trying to how to program it. I've got an espresso now at home, and that's even better. Uh, depends on your taste buds, but it is uh, it is pretty good. So let, let let's talk about a couple things. Um, one is Bank of America. This is a pretty cool article. Uh, the mortgage the, the title was the mortgage industry is continuing to embrace newer technology, and that includes the banking side as well. And this kind of just parlays, David, on top of the conversations that we all know, consumers going digital. Uh, but the key takeaways, and this was from the article, uh, the first one was that Bank of America added 2 million active digital clients last year, breaking their annual records with the total number of verified digital users reaching 54 million. Wow. Now think about that. How many large banks are out there? Bank of America alone, 54 million. And they were the first ones to launch a chatbot, if you remember, about Three right. years ago or four years yeah. ago, and they, there's a whole bunch of analytics. They still have it. They, that's right. Personalized experience was the big deal as they move into mortgages and they move into other areas. So they've got 54 million beta clients for all their new digital kind of progressive digital needs. Um, they also said that clients logged into the bank's digital platform a record of 10.5 billion times. You heard that Ooh. right. Another drum roll. 10.5 billion times in 21 a 15% year-over-year increase. And then in January of this year, they had 16 million active Zelle users. So about four years ago, Zelle, Zelle was brand new, right? Well, what they're saying right yeah, now is... Uh, Some people not, may not know what that is. Go ahead if you could tell what Zelle is. Basically, a person-to-person, -person, right? P2P 
um, payment platform. You can send money to someone else. It's, okay. it's, yeah. it's yeah. on top of the banking system, so it's not completely independent, and your, your transactions are secure, but you don't have to wait for the clearinghouse of, like, an ACH transaction. Um, okay. It is an independent platform, and it's tied to many banks. Uh, yeah. in, in addition to that, the last item is 24.6 million. So remember, they had 54 million users. 24.6 million Bank of America clients interacted with Erica, the AI-driven virtual assistant, for 659 million times. That's crazy. 650 million interactions with Erica. So if you're thinking of a chatbot, even if it has nothing to do with just asking for a loan officer or asking to talk to someone or asking for hours or asking for rates, whatever it is, 24.6 million people on Bank of America are doing it. There were 54 million people that signed up this year. There is a lot of opportunity to continue to engage, especially the depositories that are listening to this podcast every day. And then, David, getting back to something we've been talking about each week, I'm talking about it was a Mortgage Financial Gazette uh, article that talked about mortgage tech in 2022. And number four of their – they had like six or seven items. Number four was conversational digital experience will continue to expand and grow. Pre-qualifying customers – so, again, thinking about your roadmap, thinking about, you know, engaging with clients, thinking about drip campaigns with or without a CRM. We've got great partners on this podcast. Um, Bank of America is doing it. We know that Flagstar is doing their, their accelerator program. There's a lot of great stuff going on. Yeah, there really uh, And then is. the only thing I – uh, can I okay, comment? I I'm going to put, throw in a comment right there on uh, Bank of America because I've done a lot of research on who's being the most effective at connecting with the new generation of um, millennials entering the housing market as well as the Gen Zers. And hands down, uh, Bank of America is beating you guys out there, and you got to pay attention. And what's interesting about that is if you go to the website or Google uh, Millennial Disruption Index, the least loved brands by millennials and Gen Zers across all vertical markets, the least loved are big, big uh, banks, the Bank of America's. Yet they're the least loved, but they're having the, the, they're playing the most effective game right now in the mortgage space. Is because they're putting up. They took the time to study what millennials like, and what that is is. Give me content. Don't sell me. I don't even want to know when I just watched the video who, what institution this was related to other than it's on their website and they play them all within the Bank of America website. So I'm just kind of giving everyone as listening to this podcast, um, you know, a lot of people aren't fond of the big banks, but um, Bank of America is getting their act together when it comes to the retail side of the business and going after them. So just book that down. Go take a look at They have six videos that are up there that I went through that answer all the questions a first-time home buyer would ever want, and there's zero selling in it. I think that's a big, big point. Go ahead. Sorry, just had to throw that in. It is, no, that's a, that's a fantastic addition you, you made right there. Think about, read between the lines. You know how they're selling right now and, and how the millennials are going after the big banks? It's because of the digital experience. It's the mobile yeah. app on TV. It's the cash-back rewards on a debit card. It's the mm-hmm. things that millennials think they must have, and that's what they're taking. So in spite of being the least loved, at least they're the most disliked brands out there, they're coming back and competing. So anyway, don't throw you, just because right. you're not uh, being effective doesn't mean you can't come back and compete. I always like it. It's a great game at the fourth quarter. Everything that's a Super Bowl. Everything just switches at the last Finish. minute, and something changes. All right, yeah. go on, Alan. What you got next? Last- Oh, just last thing, because I cannot wait to talk to Mr. Parker. Um, (laughs) I want to talk next week more about um, having active members of your board of directors for technology. And everybody's thinking right now is saying, oh, you know what? Alan's talking about tech companies. I am not. A mortgage organization, a lender, a depository, depositories more especially, but think about having somebody on your board of directors that is an unbiased opinion that understands the strategy of technology and the strategy of how you can help organize and better direct your team, align with the goals and drive those goals. That is somebody critical because a lot of times, especially at at certain organizations, you have somebody that started at the bottom and they've worked their way up and they've got a preconceived notion of what you need to do. So your opinion is very biased or it's based on maybe what you said you wanted to, 
overcome 10 years ago, but that may not be where the industry is today mm-hmm. or vendors they didn't like, but those vendors may not be run by the same people or platforms they didn't like. Anyways, having a technology board of directors, somebody that can help drive direction, manage security. We've talked about what happens when there's a, a, a data loss or, um, or, or a data breach, right? Who can help drive your technology vision? So think about that. We'll talk about it next week. It's going to be a fantastic topic. Other than that, yeah. David, um, can't wait yeah. to hear Mr. Les Parker. Yeah, yeah he, we should make him sing as he opens up this yeah. segment today. <laughs> does, live. We don't, we don't want to encourage too much improvision with him because you never know what's going to come out. It's just sometimes it's some of the funniest, but sometimes really subtle humor. But you know, we'll let, let him stick to the music parodies. Anyway, it's so good to have you, Alan, here. You live in the same hood uh, neighborhood as uh, he does, so at least the uh, same part of Florida. But it's great to have you here. Great job on that. Folks, that wraps up the weekly update. We've got a few parts of it. Matt was gone because of the holiday, but we're so grateful to have had you here for this part of the podcast. For those of you listening live, stay right here because we're going to get right into the rates update on what's going on with mortgage rates with Les Parker. For those of you listening on a downloaded basis, move right on to the next podcast because what we're about to talk about is what you'll hear on the next podcast on a downloaded basis. Good to have you with us. Welcome, everybody, to the Lickin' and Lending Hot Topics segment. Excited to have you here with us today. It is February 21st and President's Day, and we have joining us Les Parker, the founder of the TM Spotlight Newsletter, writes it every single day. I don't know how he, this guy ever sleeps. He's also managing director and partner in the consulting firm. We're together on this and so many things. Uh, love his forecast. Love what he's doing. And uh, you heard Alice say last, uh, one of the earlier podcasts we did, how she writes down everything Les says, although she said today I might write it down in pencil because as crazy as things are, may not be the same. Anyway, Les Parker, good to have you here, friend. Baby, I'm back. You're back. Yes, you are. Baby, you're back. There must be a good, uh, I know there's a song that you could put on that, and we need oh, to have all these. Baby, I'm back. We did it uh, back at the oh. end of, ju- of January. So, How do you, I mean, so many people comment, they go, how does Les come up with a music parody? And I said, the most amazing part is he's not into pulp culture. He's not into any of this. I have no idea, but you're doing a masterful job of tying a music a song and creating a music parody as you do each week on here. So thank you, by the way, Les, for the quality that you and Gary Cantrabone do to contribute. So I can thank you on air, but you do a great job in producing these segments. But today we want to talk about interest rates. So we're really, really excited about this. So let's go back and review. Uh, and every one of us have a question for you, Jack. If you hear Jack panting in the background, he goes, I got a question. I got a question. I can't wait to get to it. But let's start off with doing a review of your November 15th when you were on the show. Let's go back to talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I would, I'll make one quick comment on parodies because I get asked that question a lot. How do you ever think up these songs? Don't you run out of songs? How does it come together? Well, first is how many of you have heard conversations before with musicians like Parsons, who's a great songwriter or Paul McCartney, or some of the more modern uh, people out there, how, what, well, they'll tell you, but in reality, it's very difficult. I was listening to an uh, old interview that uh, Dick Clark, no, not Dick Clark, um, one yeah. of the uh, talk shows from way, way back, of yeah. Paul Simon. Possibly Dick Clark. And listening, how did Paul Simon ever, how did you dream up all these things? Well, I'm checking on my guitar. Well, that's kind of what it is here. You know, I yeah. just, something comes to me, I read it, I try to connect to a word or a phrase, and that's how it happens. Well, you do an amazing so, job. On, Love your content. Yes. <laughs> well, it was. it is nice that someone would uh, record some of the items I said, and she, uh, Alice did get that back on November 15th. She made that comment, and so I called in, and yes, at that time, right. interest rates were 1.61. And I said, I think that we're going to see 10-year go up to 2.1 in fairly short order. Well, we hit uh, 2.065 on no, on February 16th. <laughs> there you go, Alice. <laughs> Another one. reason why you have confidence in his predictions is he's pretty right. <laughs> That's good. 
Well, it, last year was actually kind of a tough year on predicting for me. I, we did get the directions right, and we was within it. But the volatility did not occur that I was expecting, and part of that's because they deferred um, their actions. They didn't really make their announcements. Well, they hinted at things, but things didn't really start happening until November uh, when it there was more uh oh. Yeah, yeah, Les, we're having some audio issues with you. I think it's connect connectivity. It sounds like it's a bit digital at times, which means go to that favorite part of the house, stand on that one leg, hold that one hand up in the air so we get better, better reception <laughs> wherever you're at. So uh but we are having some okay. trouble hearing you no cutting out a little bit. Just want to give you a heads up on that. All right, go on. As you were saying. All right, I'm here. Yeah, you're still breaking in and out, but we'll do the best we can on getting you. So we, have, we may have you repeat some things about interest rates if you say a number and it's when you went digitally out for a minute. So go ahead. Okay. Well, if you put me on pause, oh. Oh, this is bad, folks. This is not us teasing you. I promise you, as you start talking less, it just goes out completely. That is so frustrating when that happens. So I don't know where we have to have you have to move to to get better reception. But man, it is it's really it's really breaking up pretty badly right at the moment. Let's get in and talk about uh, again, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Jack, I'd love to get your comments on it. I don't know if you remember that show, Jack. Uh, you know, we've been seems like you've been on the podcast forever, but we started November, uh, November 15th, if you recall. Um, we were talking about interest rates and less called in because we were talking right after he did his music parody. And uh, were you on the podcast, Jack, at that point? I can't remember if you were there I, or not. I actually was, David. Good. Good. Yeah. So it seems like you've been here since forever. That the day, like Alice, she's the uh, one of the founding, uh, one of the founders of this with me. Um, but you know, talking a little bit about that, uh, it was Alice was astutely uh, was uh, we just lost drill less. He's going to have to dial back in from somewhere. I just see he just got dropped. So wouldn't you know that's the way it works. But anyway, what he, the, but, but the prediction that interest rates would fall back below, or the 10-year would fall below 1%. And that's probably one of the reasons uh, that it's there. Ah, less is back in, so now we can get it back in. Hopefully this newer, later connection, latest connection will do a little bit better. Less, we got you back. So uh, one of the things that came up, Les, so we, we are going to – I want to review where we are at, but everyone's writing. <laughs> I've got three comments to come in. We don't care about a review of what he said. We want to know what he's where he's predicting interest rates going. So um, that's where on our list is three people just wrote me and says, can we find out where? I don't care about listening to what, how accurate he's been. I'm more interested in where are these darn rates going? When? How? What, all the, what are the drivers? So um, you had predicted at one point in time interest rates were going to possibly the 10-year treasury could go back under 10. I mean 1%. Um, and I'm assuming that was a geo, your anticipation, potential geopolitical events um, that could be just rock our world and have ever there be a major flight to quality. Can you comment about are we is there are you still holding that we could possibly see rates the 10 year below one percent less? Less is there, but we're not hearing you less. I think well, it's possible. Uh, there you are. I know. I have a my cell phone connection is really bad right now, and I'm not sure why. Obviously, Putin is attacking Verizon. That's what it is. <laughs> there you go. And so we're down to only one bar left. So Putin's <laughs> already wiped out two or three bars. That's <laughs> part of the, part of the problem right there. Well, we got you oh. here. So you say it's still possible. I thought I heard you say as you come back. Yeah, back coming back here. Yes, I look. It's. Uh, the likelihood of getting below one is diminished some now that we've gone up as, as we have. Yep. But I do expect there to be another significant drop in rates uh, this year. Good. In fact, That's I think crazy. that we're getting ready to turn to a bull market in the next few weeks. Really? Now, why is that, Les? Yes. Everyone, every, the, the, why? Everyone, how is it that you are? Well, what actually, are you, you just said it, why? You just answered the question. Because everyone thinks it's going higher. That's ah, ah, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So you being the contrarian yeah, so that you lot, are. Uh, I 
somewhat – I mean, you can never – you should never go completely against the Fed, and you shouldn't completely go against trends. But when you get too many people on one side of the boat, that's when you start saying, hey, this is out of balance. Yeah. That's a, that's a, seeing, seeing we have a boat owner on the phone, on the call here with us. Jack, let's get over to you, Mr. Boat Owner. You know how it is. If you're trying to pull in a fish on one side, everyone's on that side. Got a little, a little precarious. Yeah, that doesn't work really well. Um, yeah. But, you know – I think uh, a good musical parody uh, that uh, reflects this marketplace would be that song by R.E.M. It's the end of the world as we know it uh, <laughs> with regard That's true. To, to interest rates. I mean, Les, a quick question. Uh, you know, when, when you talk about, uh, you know, rates, um, you know, rallying and, you know, reversing course, you know, is that really the only driver out there that, that could make that happen is the geopolitical side? I mean, you know, look, we know quantitative easing is on the horizon. That's going to be, you know, a big driver to push rates up. Inflation, uh, you know, it's going to take a while with the Fed raising Fed funds rates before that really starts to reel back in, in, in inflation. So is is really the only driver that uh, could create a rally here in the ten um, uh, linked to geopolitical uh, chaos in the world? Uh, no, I would say Fed policy would be the reason why rates could go significantly lower. If hmm. the Fed's tightening, if the Fed is tightening, and the perception is that the economy can't handle it. The tightening Fed, right? Just like it couldn't have handle the temper t- or the uh, taper tantrum tantrum last time, then you could have rates go significantly lower. So, so let me then, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, ask this question from a clarity standpoint. So, is what you're saying is is that you know the Fed tightens and tightens and continues to tighten. And that soft landing that Jerome Powell was talking about uh, several months ago really becomes, uh, you know, not a soft landing. And we begin to see the uh, early indicators of a recession raise its head? Yes. Because right now we've seen the curve flatten significantly. In fact, the curve is flattened. The fastest it's ever flattened the ahead of recession. So right, or if you look at past recessions and you see how the curve flattened, and you look at the speed of that flattening, this is the fastest move towards flattening that we've ever had. We've gone, and I don't have the numbers at my fingertip right now, uh, but that movement of a flatter curve can be very indicative of lower term treasury rates and higher short term rates and that creates a problem that creates a problem for banks because now their cost of funds is rising because they tend to be on shorter term you also get a you could even get an inverted curve on the bill curve so that becomes problems for banks but it really becomes a problem for mortgage bankers where now you have short term rates high because mortgage bankers are classic, right? They're borrowing short and lending long. That's the way mm-hmm. they do it. Now, they get rid of it in a short time period, and that's why it works as a business model. But uh, that's why I think you could have lower rates, lower long-term rates. And a mortgage, by the way, will not keep up with a treasury move to lower rates. Oh, really? Yeah. Mortgage rates will not keep up. So they are going to see those widening margins, right? That's right. We've already seen the mortgages widen out to treasuries. It's in a more, quote-unquote, normal relationship now. It's happened over the last few months, which I think I mentioned in November, too, but maybe not. Uh, That's just because the Fed's not going to be buying mortgages as much. Actually, they're going to eliminate the purchases of mortgages. Uh, That creates a problem in itself. It means you're very much a domestic market. Foreigners really don't like our mortgages uh, for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. Yeah. And uh, that creates, yeah, that creates a supply 
do we don't have as many investors. So mortgage rates are going to be under pressure this year. That's for sure. There you go, Alice. Write that doesn't, down. Mortgage rates are, are under pressure. So you use writing it all pressure. down. So, By yeah. the way, I don't think we're going to see mortgage rates go to the lower levels of three. All right. Good. Well, I hope so because I'm I'm, I'm I'm wanting to do a refinance one more time on a remodel that I'm doing on my house. But Alice, let's get over to you. <laughs> Beyond being just a great scribe and writing down all the notes, you have some always have great questions. What do you have for Les? Thanks, Les. Well, it, it's so fascinating. You know, I love listening to both of you, you know, and as well as you, Jack and Dave, all of you guys talk this through because I I just love trying to learn. Uh, that's the mode I'm in. And so as you describe all of this going on um, and you talk about, you know, this bull market over the next few weeks possibly, what what kind of timing do you see in all of this? So when you say possibly lower threes, you know, is that – much later in the year, you know, is that where you see us longer term throughout the, the balance of the end of 2022? What, what, what's your sense on timing with that? Well, you told me we're supposed to pay attention to Doug Duncan, so I'm not allowed to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to tell you the timing and the, the magnitude. But since I'm That's not right. Doug Duncan, and, my, my, and I make my living on helping people understand timing and direction. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I, right not right here near term. I do expect the ten year to drop back down towards one seventy five on the ten year, just near term. You know, here we are at one ninety yep. or whatever, and so going down another fifteen beeps. And mortgages might catch five or ten of that. Um, it's not going to catch a lot of it, but I think it's going to be the fourth quarter that we probably see that big dip in mortgage rates. And it's going to, there's going to be a lot of conditions to that, but I do expect um, the situation by the uh, probably October, September, October is being pretty, looking pretty dismal for uh, 2023. As a in the sense that rates are going to be going up pretty consistently and steadily in 2023. No, well, no. Actually, what I meant was from an economic pers- or geo- oh, uh, economic, GDP yeah. oh, perspective. Yeah. Okay, okay, GDP. Okay, got it, got it. Well, that, and that, that should, uh, that should I think set it's going to be for, a slowdown. Yeah, so which is yep. it just sets us up for a, a better. Uh, the, you know, what's bad for the economy is always good for mortgage rates. So that actually does. That's why you're saying we're going to see that uh, towards the end of the year it makes lower rates. Sense. Yeah, that's yep. right. Yep, yep, yep. Got it. That's by the call. way, Fannie Mae and Doug, speaking of Doug Duncan, Fannie Mae, they were looking at, uh, I, I don't, again, I don't have it in front of me cause I'm trying to get better reception on the phone here. Uh, yep. but it's, uh, I believe it was 5.5 is what we ended up for GDP in 2021. And his forecast for 2022 is 2.8. And his forecast for 2023 is 2.2. Mm. So okay. that's deteriorating uh, GDP growth. So it doesn't mean you go negative. It doesn't mean you have to have a recession. He's not forecasting a recession as far as I know. Um, what I think is going to happen is we're not going to have a recession, but what we're going to do is a scare of a recession. I think mm. the curve is going to this flattening is going to really send a scare in the market. I don't think that the the market is fully is healthy yet, and that's really the big debate: is the is the global economy healthy or not? Mm. If it is, then rates are going to be a lot higher. Uh, you could easily see you, you will break through three percent. The secular bull market will end in treasuries. We will then go on up to 4% in the 10-year, probably in 2023. Uh, and that's not necessarily bad. It's just that would, that would the only way economies around the globe are healthier than what they were in 2008, 2012, 2016, and, we're, and even uh, what we were in 2020. So if the economies actually have globally, particularly the advanced economies, if they're actually on the men's and they are fundamentally sound, fundamentally healthy, then global or central banks around the world tightening 
will have a, a positive result. It will get inflation somewhat tempered, and mm-hmm. uh, growth will be exciting. I, I do. I am not in that camp, but that is that's what the hope is, and that's how you could end up with significantly higher rates. So a lot of people are writing. So what camp are you in? We're going to get that in just a minute. Alice, any more questions for Les real quickly before we and we get over to you, Alan? Did you ask? Let, let your no, neighbor. Let right you ask ahead. neighbor. All right, Alan, going over to you. Any questions for Les? As I'm reading a lot of comments and com- uh, the comments that are coming in, um, Alan, any questions? This is, all, as Alice said, very interesting to hear the back and forth between between all of you guys. One question that I have specifically has to do with property values. Um, when you look at rates and the and inflation and the overall market, you're also considering what's going on, right? Some people can't, they're afraid rates, they're being scared now that rates are going to go up and they won't be able to afford to move somewhere else, even if it's within their affordability. You have people that are afraid that there's nothing to rent because um, prices have gone up so much. I mean, in certain areas you're looking at over 2 to three, almost $3 a square foot compared to two years ago it was a dollar yeah. a square foot. And then you're looking at people that that are, um, are afraid to buy higher than their price range or they're almost forced to buy now and overbid and cause more inflation of property values because their afraid rates are going to go up too much and everybody's fighting for the exact same property at the current rates. So I just I, I kind of wanted to throw the property valuation angle at you and get your feedback on that. Uh, wow. It is – the property it, – it, it's – there's underlying forces that would say the property values will continue to rise, uh, but the the 10% and 20% that we saw over a two-year period, it depends on where you did your marks, um, So, but essentially over two years we had over 20% appreciation pretty much across the board in the United States. Uh, that is not going to continue. Uh, so that's already leveling off. Uh, it's going to be very modest uh, appreciations. There, there are a number of issues that housing's facing. They're, they have major uh, labor problems. They have, they are directly suffering from the bottlenecks. Uh, um, so I don't, I, I, and and housing are uh, on the apartment side. Apartments that are at significantly high uh, starts in apartments. So within a year, I expect any pressure on rents to really stabilize. Uh, This next year, we might see uh, a lot of rents increasing uh, for a multitude of reasons that you kind of articulated. Uh, But in 2023, I would expect that just dissipates and we go back to fairly steady uh, not very rapid rises in rents. I just realized uh, Alan is in the same neighborhood as you. Maybe it's a Floridian issue because you, Alan, you were breaking up earlier when, during your segment. We got enough of it out, but um, that, that's really a good question, Alan, because I think a lot of people are, are sold are in the process of transitioning over. And if interest rates go up, I know we're considering where we've have a, Plans drawn. We want to expand the house and do some things with the house, and we have a an appraiser on the appraisal. How much is this going to improve the value of the home? And then I look at interest rates. What is this going to cost me on a um, on an increase on the payments to do this? And I those are all a lot of factors. Uh, this is very dynamic market. Um, Jack, yeah. I'm going to go back to you. Uh, by I, the I'm, way, Dave, yes. Uh, yes. Alice Alice deals with a very specific item, and it has to do with appraisal. The appraisal items not is not trivial and it's becoming more mm. difficult. Yeah, uh, that we are seeing that the values are not being proven out, and yet people still want them. So who's really can pay that difference? And you can't make an adjustment unless there's adverse circumstances. Just ask Alice. Go mm-hmm. ask Alice. Go ask ask uh, Alice. So, you remember uh, that? Do you have a hey, we've got that, that. Alice. <laughs> What'd you say, Alice? Go ahead. I said we've got that product. Yeah, we have you our do. Ask I Alice, love that. But, uh, yeah, but it's I a great that's... point about appraisals with trying to, especially as they open up to do more desktop. And you say, you know, even Fannie and Freddie admit they need data to feed the engine. And uh, you know, no matter what buyer and sellers want to try and is a 
pay desperate prices in the end. You've got to have the data that supports it all. So that's where the value is. Yeah, and I'm just going to put in, we, uh, Jack and I recorded an interview with Alan uh, Weiss, um, and we aired it last week or the week before. Go back and listen to that, some things that uh, Weiss Analytics is doing, as well as Val Shield is doing. You've got to listen to this. This is amazing. Alan was the founder of the Case-Shiller uh, Index and the Case-Shiller Report. Um, Alan has done real well, and he is now about ready. He's working on Valve Shield, and you need to check this out. Go back and listen to that podcast uh, whenever that we aired that. It was a week or two ago. Uh, Nikki, if you could put that up in the show notes here so I can see where we had that. that I'll give everyone a, a specific date of where to go on what day that is. But, uh, Jack, I've got a bunch of comments coming in here, but I want you to go ahead and jump on the conversation here about where things are going. Everything's coming Again, several previous says, and I repeat, I don't care where it's been. I want to know what we can anticipate, kind of a timing. Several people said this is really helpful. We are anticipating possibly that because of invading Ukraine, we could see that, or is that already priced in the market? Several people are asking. I think where it is is timing, and what should they look at as events that could trigger it? You said the Fed. We've all been looking, and many of us have been looking at more geopolitical global events. Well, unless, you know, David. Unless Jack, I'll let you guys take it because I'm going through all these questions here. Okay, I mean, just a question uh, for Les. Um, you know, Les, as I look at rate forecasts, uh, and 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 I see some of the larger uh, or more knowledgeable forecasters out in space, like the NBA, um, rates were forecast to be at 3.1 in Q1 2022. And now we're at, I don't know, 3.9 to 4. So we're running about 60, maybe 70 basis points ahead of that forecast by the NBA. Should we expect to continue here in the near term to see rates at this level? Or or is there anything in the immediate horizon that might create a rally? You know, the only reason I'm in business is because of economists doing silly forecasts. So I, <laughs> I appreciate them very much. Um, economists have to deal with it, it on their models. So they have this beginning interest rate. They have this ending interest rate. Guess what? Interest rates move throughout the year. And they <laughs> impact flows of production. They impact the, the valuations of MSRs, they impact how housing contracts will, will uh, come in and flow in. So they are they're trying to always give us these big pictures, you know, basically uh, outlooks quarter to quarter at best. Um, and that, that's just not how the world operates. It doesn't go from January 1 to uh, March 31st. That's just not how we do it. It's, it is day-to-day, particularly if you're talking about mortgage bankers. They get fresh longs every single day because people are locking in. And they can even get fresh shorts, in a sense, if they have too many cancellations and not enough flows. So you mortgage bankers deal with the dynamics of the market all the time. And that's why they say, well, where are rates going? Where are rates going? Well, I just we've already talked about just over the last few months what it's done, and we've also talked about what it's getting ready to do. So I've given some specifics there, and that's what we do. Um, In terms of when you are building scenario planning for your business, and particularly for mortgage bankers, the path of rates matters. So you can't just say, say, okay, by the end of the year, it's only going to be three – yeah, the path, that is the direction or how rates travel up and down matters right. to your budgets. Okay, right. that's how it's going to impact it. So what, you, so what you do for budgeting purposes is you say, this is what we're going to set our margins at. This is how we're going to control our margins with personnel. This is how, what we're going to do on how we price mortgages. And then the... The, as you get interest rate impacts to that, you have to tweak those pieces 
so that you still stay a profitable business. And most mortgage companies don't do that. They, hmm. they really do. They set their budgets. If they set budgets, they all should. <laughs> but let's just make the assumption they set a budget. What they do as soon as interest rates move a lot one direction or the other, they throw their budgets out the windows and adjust everything upward or downward, and they're not addressing staffing issues fast enough. Some right. do, and they right-size very quickly. And the, yep. the effective ones do. That's what they did. Anyway, I'm di- kind of digressing yep. into how you use forecasting and budgeting and planning. Uh, but that's why what we do, Dave, you and me, and then also what I do when I'm working with customers that want to sell their businesses, that's what we have to deal with. Is yeah. If these things start happening, how does it impact your business? And how, what are you going to have to change to do that? Yep. Right. Well, and and that, that's that, why a lot of mortgage companies are selling, by the way, yep. right now. Yeah, a lot of They're trying to get out of this business. Yep. They want out. They've had a good run. It's time to exit. And that is true. By the way, if you're thinking about that, get a hold of Les and I. We do a great job on that part of it. By the way, the podcast was February 8th, where we had Alan Weiss on. And it was, the title of it was, uh, it's a special episode. We released on Tuesday the 8th. And it's uh, the Great Migration Driving Markets and Transactions. Folks, those that – someone just texted me that was had, had gone to listen to that, and they go, that was one of those oh, wow podcasts. It's like everyone needs to go listen to that. If you haven't listened to it, go back to February 8th. It's a special episode, The Great Migration Driving Markets and Transactions. Big, big talk. So let's get to some of the questions from our listeners, and then we got to have we got to talk about TM Spotlight because a lot of this stuff you're talking about here on the podcast, you do cover every single day um, your TM Spotlight newsletter. So um, let's get to a couple of the questions. Again, one of the there's the theme is again, would you have him repeat again? What are the events? And 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 another one came in and says not only repeat the events, but all I mean, what are the drivers uh, of rates going lower, and that so that they know what to anticipate. Uh, and if you could put a percentage of um, some type of percentage geopolitical versus, uh, you know, 20 percent geopolitical, 80 percent feds, something to that effect. And then if you get a little more specific on that and we've got to wrap this up, Les, we're almost out of time. Go ahead. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm, chuck- I'm chuckling tough- at doing that real quickly. <laughs> yeah, those are tough questions. Um, I First, I'll tell you what. Mega trends matter. That's why we talk about mega trends. And that uh, migration is definitely a big one. They should be listening to that podcast. Uh, but there's another trend that you address every week on the podcast, and that's Alan Pollock. The technology changes are yes. driving interest rates. Yes, one of yes. the reasons why we have such low interest rate environment, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the Mega trends is improving productivity because of technology gains. Yeah. And that is getting ready to escalate, not to deteriorate. Yeah. So that's oh another reason why rates could go a lot lower simply because we're going to have productivity gains. Yeah. So good. So I think people, people tend to forget about technology technology is really what's driving this why do why do you think we we left a world of 13 percent mortgages in the mid 80s to a world of three percent and four percent mortgages yeah Um, yeah. i mean what 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 reason would there be for nine percent lower in rates over 40 years what i mean what is it that was was really driving that well technology is really what's driving that Mm mm-hmm yeah, been a big, big enabler then, of that. So that's such a good segue because next week we got Brent Chandler coming on and Kevin Kaufman of Form Free, and they're and they're working with blockchain technology, some of the most innovative things that are going on in the market out there technology wise. Brent and Kevin are working on at Form Free. We can't wait to get in that. But uh, Les, I'm looking at the clock and I want to respect everyone's time here. We always go over, but I want to talk about TM Spotlight, how people can sign up for it, and really give us a little more insights than the. Again, we're not someone said, Are you selling like it? I'm selling you something free. I'm trying to give away something free, you rascal. Yeah, I know. I love that. I hear, I hear you. Well, because of Power Seller, Power Seller enables us to provide the uh, daily newsletter with extended uh, graphs uh, in it, and it also gives you technical levels 
uh, yeah. for instead of $77 a year, you're able to get it free because of PowerSeller, and you just type in the code PowerSeller, or excuse me, Power, power. and power, yeah. that will will it will take it from 77 down to zero. Okay, uh, so so why don't I first give you my forecast? So for the 10-year, yep. I am looking for the range to be about 125 basis points, mm-hmm. and I expect the high yield to be 2.45, and the low yield to be 1.20. And mortgages, I expect mortgages will have a tough time staying above four, but I think we'll have a a blip up to 4.1, and I think we'll go all the way back down to 3.05. Good. And uh, so that's going to be 105 basis points range. Now, look, last year we only had a a 53 basis points range in mortgages. So Uh, – uh, based on the uh, Freddie Mac survey. So yep. uh, could we be half a, a low volatility again? I don't think so because we're mm-hmm. in a transitionary mode in the economies with COVID, with a lot yep. of things. And generally during transitions, you have higher volatility. I want to, for kind of fun purposes, um, my outside range, which I will be publishing this poor forecast, I always publish mine in usually in late February. So this week I intend to publish my forecast. So if there are subscribers, then they're going to also get the forecast. Uh, But my outside range for the 10 years, I I don't see us going beyond 2.55, but I think we can get just tip below below one at at 0.95. Now that's in an extreme situation. I'm not sure that we're going to see it. There's a lot of reasons why 120, 115 is going to be really hard for the 10-year to go below. And also, the same on the other side, it's going to be really hard to go above 2.5. Now, the reasons why they can go beyond those is some of the things we've already talked about on this broadcast. Yeah. Very good stuff. Very, very, very good stuff. Uh, Okay. You've already talked about they can sign up. Go to tmspotlight.com and put in the word power seller. Uh, when you do these each power. one, of the, oh, just put power, just put power. power not, it represents power seller, but just put in power. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people talk to, and I want, I'm, I'm going to speak to this a little bit, get Jack to speak to it, and then, yeah, we're going to go over just a little bit, folks. Hang in here with us. There's a good reason for this. Um, a lot of people talk about there that you do get very technical in these newsletters, and several people that I know that are own business owners been in the industry for many years. They find reading it a bit of a challenge. And I had that same issue and there's issues still that come out where I get you seeing you get technical and it is, I mean, it's like, huh, I wish I could, I got to get them on the podcast to talk about that. But when you're writing this, talk about how you're going about this. What is the purpose of this? Your why in writing this pod or writing this, um, this every single day, it's a laborious process, but you do it and you do it so well. Why? Well, first is it takes hours to do it every day, and I don't think people probably understand that. There's an awful lot on the cutting floor every day. Um, it's The first is I, I design this to not be exhaustive. But there is no one that reads this that's it, that are key executives. When Jack was receiving this letter, I still remember – what he liked about my newsletter, he said, "Lest you help us connect the dots. And all mm-hmm. that means is I'm giving to someone that already gets a lot of information. Jack gets, you know, if, when he was there and still with the, the amount of information he consumes is, is a lot. Why would I ever want to get the attention of Jack Nunnery or Stan Middleman, who's one of my leading cheerleaders, who's the owner of Freedom? Why would I ever want to give them what Goldman Sachs is giving to them and, and all the other brokerage companies, all that information every day. Why would I do that? That makes zero sense. Yeah. And then the other thing is I am not Matt Graham. I, I have no interest in being Matt Graham. Um, Matt does a good job so what he, he does. Gives yeah. you, he gives you detailed information and explains things. And I think the daily – is it called the daily – I can't even remember how it was called, but the one that uh, Adam Kenyonis was involved yeah. in when he first did it. 
There's other publications out there that are designed to kind of help people understand these different terms. Mm -hmm. So I try to make mine entertaining. I I try to, I don't put yuck yucks in here, but I try to make it fast moving, somewhat entertaining. I do use sarcasm uh, in here. I do ask questions um, which have kind of implied answers, but there are people that take other sides to the markets. The other thing I'm trying to do is I, I give you impressions. This, I, I do love the Impressionist School of Art, and mm-hmm. that's what this is. And so if you don't like Impressionist Art, you're not going to like this newsletter. Not like it. It, yeah. It, is, yeah, it is not designed to really kind of put it all nicely together in a, you know, a, a, a two-paragraph to MLOs, and I do love MLOs. I used to be one. Uh, but that's not really what it's designed for. And I have a number, a surprising number, of MLOs to subscribe to it. And they, I get the sense the reason why is not – there's plenty of things to get confused on in here, but they kind of focus in on when I'm talking about which way rates are going and down. And the other is I think they like the grass. Oh, yeah. The daily grass. shot is really nice to me and a lot lab – uh, Lev, Lev over there at the Daily Shot, who owns it, um, lets me republish these graphs, and that's really good. And even Power Seller, if you want to see what's happening with pipelines and volatility and rates, it gives you in a, a picture form. Some people don't like graphs, and they prefer narratives. I love the picture. Uh, nope, I so, love I, it's so anyway, that's a long answer. Okay, good. Yep, good, good, good answer. Excellent, excellent. Uh, one person, one last question. This could become an arm market. Are we going to see the arms begin to become more of a dominant thing? Are we going to see no. arm loans? Nope. Don't worry about arm loans, no. you're saying. Okay, good. Very Not good. Not too worried about it. I mean, it's a flatter curve. It could be because the mortgages getting out of line with Treasury might make some sense. Uh, Jack could speak to that uh, much better than me. Well, we are out of time, and that's I'm um, trying to respect more and more our listeners' time. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining in. Les, thank you so much for time for being here, and, of course, to the podcast team. Um, Jack, you want to end this segment with uh, a few words of wisdom? Well, I'll give Les a plug. Uh, you know, I was a regular reader of Les's newsletter. Uh, the The number one reason was his – you know, I used to sit in balance sheet committees at a mid-tier bank, and Les, I got to tip the hat, you you always made me sound smarter in those meetings than I really am. Yeah, it's funny. It's uh, he does having great Les quotes is re- really really good. Les, thanks so much for being here, Jack. Thank you for your commentary and contributing. Same to Alan and Alice, both of whom had have already had to drop and run. We appreciate you as our listeners. Next week, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have Brent Chandler on with Kevin Kaufman. They're a farm free. Again, doing some of the most innovative things, working with blockchain, working with the passbook. I mean, folks, you're not going to want to next, miss next week's interview with Brent and Kevin. Really looking forward to it. Special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility, MMI, Modex. <clears throat> Excuse me, choking here. Uh, Modex, uh, the MBA, Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, Lenders Toolkit, Penny Mac, and Total Expert, and more coming. Appreciate you all. Have a great week, everybody. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.